too common and courageous. Just a friendly reminder, this podcast is about all things adoption, family, friends, relationships. And thank you so much to everybody that has listened and um, given us so much feedback and and support along the way. So today's episode is actually going to be on relationship. And I have a very special guest today, my husband, Brian, joining us. So Brian, would you like to say hello and introduce yourself? Yes, I think uh, your audience probably knows a little bit about me at this point. But yes, I am I am uh, Emily's husband here, Brian, joining in, and I'm excited to be here today and maybe share a little bit about myself. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm excited about, you know, where your podcast has gone and what, you know, just hearing some of the conversations that you've had. It's been, I think it's been really good. It's been, you know, super fruitful and excited to dive in and share, I guess, with your audience, your growing audience, a um, little bit of background on myself and just kind of my growing up and, you know, our relationships and, you know, all that. Yeah. I think that's actually a good place to start is just like, you know, how you grew up um, just in California. And then we can kind of talk into like how we met and, and everything. So I know that's a, a broad question, but why don't yeah. we just go back from the beginning? I know one thing we share in common is school did not come natural for either of us in no. our, um, <laughs> but we did get a lot of citizen awards. Like we both had the personalities of, you know, we're not doing so hot on our tests here, but we were just crushing it out there in the classrooms, like becoming like little mayors and citizens of you know, our schools. So let's just start from what makes you you and go to the beginning with how you were raised, your family, and then yeah. we'll go into how, how we met. Well, if there's, you know, any wisdom that anybody can take out of this is that school in your grades isn't everything. So, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> I pray for our future children every day. It's it's a little concerning, but hopefully they can get citizen awards too, and and um, you know excel in other areas like we did. But nothing uh, like a tutor, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I yeah. So I guess just background on myself. I I grew up in Southern California, in Pasadena, California, um, and I had a bit of a unique uh, family dynamic because when I was born. I had two older sisters. Oh, I have two older sisters, but speaking at the time, I had two older sisters, and but they were born from my mom's first marriage, and so we have the same mom but different dad, and um, they, but but we all lived in the same house together uh, with with my mom, and so I never really considered them my half sisters or really thought much about it. Just felt like they were my full sisters. And um, I think you're going to have, you probably have Elizabeth on my, my middle sister. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was great in terms of, you know, our neighborhood that we grew up in. I grew up with, you know, a bunch of kids on the street and, um, you know, lots of friends in the neighborhood and in at school and whatnot. And, um, you know, and then, but I guess, yeah, life did get, get a little bit hard with, with growing up. My, um, you know, when I was, when I was six, my parents got divorced. Um, and, you know, in large part because my dad was an alcoholic and really just couldn't, you know, couldn't tackle it and couldn't, you know, get past that. And so, 
Um, you know, but when I was six, I didn't really understand that much. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, I didn't really get the whole, that whole thing. And, you know, my dad took me to this toy store called Zany Brainy, which is the best toy store that ever existed when I was a kid. I've only heard <laughs> of had, Toys R Us. Yeah, no, it was like more of a local Toys R Us. It was like, um, but it was more like, I mean, think about the name Zany Brainy. It was more like mental stimulation um, toys. It's like a lot of building, a lot of Legos, like Bionicles, those kinds of toys, building stuff. So anytime I went there, it was like, you know, it was like Christmas Day. And so my dad took me there and got me something and, you know, told me. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I mean, I got this toy, so I guess I can't be really that upset. Um, But, you know, I think anybody, you know, now growing up, you don't, it's, you know, how do you deal with that stuff? How do you tell your tell your son that that you're not going to be living in the same house anymore um and so you know it was you know i didn't really i i guess i slowly realized the effects of of what having divorced parents is like um you know over the the next couple years after that just with you know not not having my dad at home or not having my dad pick me up from school and seeing other people's dads pick them up from school or come to their games and whatnot. And yeah, maybe he came to some, but you know, it was, it was certainly different. Right. Um, and so I, I still saw him, uh, on the weekends or every other weekend, uh, at his, you know, his apartment. And, you know, from my, from my perspective, it was still, it was still all right. I mean, I missed, you know, I missed having him around as much, but, um, you know, we, you know, I, we still had a lot of time together and, and whatnot. So I think overall it was, it was okay. It could have been a lot worse. Um, but yeah, on the, on my 10th birthday, he took me out to dinner and, um, and then told me he was moving to back to New York with his parents. And when, you know, and that, like that, that definitely crushed me. And he said mm-hmm. he had to go, go and take care of, take care of his parents back in New York, but, you know, it was really, it was kind of really the, the inverse. It was that he, I don't think could support himself anymore because of his drinking. And so, um, yeah, and that was, that was actually the last time I ever saw him, uh, was on my 10th birthday. So yeah, he moved to New York, moved back to New York, to upstate New York. And, um, and then when I was 12 in February, a month before my 13th birthday, he passed away in his sleep and um i think it was you know it was a heart attack or heart failure but you know one can assume the way he was living and his his health probably caused that so um so yeah i mean that was that was you know particularly tough just because he was in new york and you know my sisters had their had their own dad Mm-hmm. And none of my friends or, you know, really any relatives of his were, were out here in California or out in, Cal- not here, but in California. And so it was, it was definitely a lonely experience, um, you know, to lose, to lose somebody that really seemingly only affects you. Um, and that of, you know, somebody who's 12 years old going through the most like transformative, like period of their life, um, you know, with, 
you know, just starting to to understand the world a little bit better and go through puberty and like all these different things that are happening on in your own life as far as like growing up and then to lose to lose your father, um, you know, and, and really essentially be totally alone with that, um, I think was was certainly tough. But um but yeah, I mean Yeah, yeah I, I think <clears throat> And first and foremost, in the spirit of like being on a podcast, it's about courage. I think that one thing I talked about uh, in the last podcast is that unfortunately, sorry, unfortunately, these things are common, even though they feel so isolating, as are a lot of hard experiences. And it's still your own experience. And especially at 12, like you said, going through something like that and dealing with not only a mentor, um, a, a father figure, a, a father in that you knew in your life. Um, like you said, it's a pivotal time. And I think that there are a lot of people listening that will appreciate that are maybe, you know, going through something similar in a relationship like that where they're dealing with someone in their life that is struggling with alcoholism. So I think it's really valuable and meaningful. And um, again, just appreciate your courage in sharing that. Yeah. And I th- I, I think, think too. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say. I, I think too for it, it's just interesting how like fatherlessness is is like too common in in mm-hmm. you know particularly in the United States. I don't know about the rest of the world, but you know you look at you look at um, you know metrics and and like the data from, from how many kids don't have a father in the household, um, you know, whether their parents are divorced or their parent or their dad was never there or their parent passed away or their dad, you know, passed away. Um, it's, it's, it's quite shocking and like concerning because I think, you know, having two parents in the household you know, specifically a mother and a father in the household is like very transformative and very much what children need, but, yet it's so common to not, you know, for one reason or another, whether it's, you know, you know, whatever it is, but yeah, unfortunately it's like, it's too common. And, uh, you know, there's so many people that go through, you know, that are brought up in a single parent household or for one reason or another that, you know, it just seems normal almost. Um, but or, or two, I think not only a single parent household, but also, or, having both figures in the house, but still, you know, having those same problems in front of you. So I know that Mm -hmm. there's a few friends in our lives that, you know, that have parents, but that parent still struggled with the same exact things that your dad did and and they chose to stay together. So I think it's such a, yeah. I mean, I think too, like, you you know, would I, uh, it's almost, it's almost, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have so much empathy for, for, for kids or for, you know, people who, you know, maybe their, their parents are both around, but their dad is a, maybe a drug addict or is going in and out of jail. And, um, you know, it's like, that's a whole nother, you know, challenge because you're trying to maintain this relationship with somebody who's not, you know, there for you or stable for you but they're still there and it's like you want them to exist and so you've got a whole nother like realm of 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 hardships to deal with so yeah i don't know i mean it's like you know i could be it could be so many different ways but 
I know too, we've talked a lot about this in our relationship and from what you've shared, but what do you wish that, you know, or like if there was like a 10 year old listening to this conversation or someone maybe older and even where you are today, like what resources or conversations or support, like I think at that age would have been helpful um, to, you know, to be able to not like work through it, but just to be able to cope a little bit more effectively than, you know, that like within that isolating feeling, if that makes sense. No, it it definitely makes sense. I think, you know, for anybody who's, has gone through it or maybe they're a single mother and they're listening and they're like, you know, they have a kid who is younger and they're, you know, they're going to go through these things. I think just having, being involved is, is extremely important. Having community around you. I think if it wasn't for sports, I would have been in a much different place. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of my, you know, my friends' dads were, you know, not necessarily like, father figures to me but you know gave me that got gave me that element to, of somebody to look up to in ways and then you know sports like when I got to high school you know high school football and, and being able to be committed to something have you know learn discipline and and learn from you know from men who you know are you know in a in a solid place and to be able to have have those men to look up to and like you think about I I did a I did. I actually did a report in in high school, and you know, granted, it was a, it was just a high school report, um, you know, research, you know, research study or whatever. But so it wasn't. <laughs> I'm not like saying I, I'm, I'm an expert in this area at all. But I, you know, I did find interesting things in that, saying that I, I did a study on uh, on youth, like the youth in in gangs, and why do so many um, youth join gangs and and it's a growing problem and um you know gangs are are not something that's like going down it's it's you know it's probably just as as presence or present as it was you know 20 30 years ago Mm -hmm. you know back in la with you know some of those gangs but um you know why do why do so many kids go into gangs and it's and you know i think the number one reason was um was or the number one like connection was these kids didn't have a father mm-hmm. or a father figure to look up to um, in their household. And so um, you just, it kind of shows you how important having some, especially as a young boy, having a male figure to look up to, um, to show you, you know, what is the right path to, to walk down? What is, what is the right, you know, direction you should be living your life in and and um you know boys are so moldable and and um you know they're looking for for answers they're going through these transformative years and they're looking for for guidance and direction and 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 that's gonna like they're gonna be influenced whether it's it's good or bad they're gonna be influenced either from you know positive figures or negative figures but they're they they're they are looking for that that support, that community, that sense of like, okay, this older man has, is going to protect me or this older man is going to, is going to like teach me things. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, 
it's very interesting. And like, too, you look at, um, you know, like crimes, like I've looked into like just other, you know, all crime statistic data and like, um, you know, uh, or wealth data. And, you know, a lot of those figures point to you're way more likely to, you know, be incarcerated or to, you know, not reach financial, um, you know, health if you're, if, if you don't, if you grew up without a father or if you, you had no father in, in the household and, um, you know, not saying it's impossible like because that too, do you, yeah. do you think like those are like fears? Because like, obviously like if you're looking at the statistics, you, is that like scary to think about? Like, <clears throat> Oh my gosh, I have to um, intentionally try and like keep myself like off, not like off the path, but you know what I mean? Like it's like saying yeah, the odds yeah, are is that you'll turn out this way and then having to beat the odds. Right. And I don't like looking at that data like as a, a like it with a with the glasses of like a victim mentality mm-hmm. in any way because yeah, sure, like I could look back and say, well, these these things happen to me. The odds say that I you know, I'm going to be this, this, and this. Um, and if I just subscribed to that and said, okay, I have no control over that, then I've already given up and I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't tried. Um, so, and, you know, anybody looking at like that, whether it's, you know, a, you know, a father without a household or, you know, if you're a part of a specific minority group and you look at the, you look at the data, you look at you, you listen to the news and you say, oh, if you're this or you're that, you you have more of a chance of becoming you know x you know mm-hmm. incarcerated uh poor um you know broken household whatever it is if you subscribe to that and say this is this is my destiny then that will be your destiny and i've always tried to say to not allow those kinds of thoughts into my head and saying and like it and and like accepting the victim mentality but it is it is a battle in your head you're like man this is so hard and i think it's like what i'm learning right now too is that you know, just having gone back to therapy um, and and really dealing with all this stuff from my past, saying, okay, I'm not a victim. Yeah, sure, things happen to me. I grew up in a certain way. I'm not a victim though, and I'm not going to let these things dictate what my what my life forward looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think anybody in a in a position of of where the odds are stacked against you cannot look at at the data and say this is going to be my life because it will. I, yeah, I think thoughts are really powerful, but also so is awareness. And like you and I even had this conversation, I think a few nights ago with um, just our generation does talk more about our emotions and feelings and things and normalizes more so like therapy is more normalized today than it was for sure. Like back then. Um, mm-hmm. And I even remember in high school, like if you were in therapy, it was like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with you, but that's totally yeah. not the case. And so I think our generation is fortunate to have the tools or support to be more aware. Um, obviously, you know, getting to do things like therapy is a privilege, but resources in general. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's always going to be something that's a like a work in progress and unraveling. And I, I don't think anybody that goes through that type of like grief or trauma at a young age ever reaches like a point of like, not dealing with those things anymore in their life because you you grow so much and experience different things all throughout different chapters of your life. So, and I think even when I met you and slowly learned your story too, um, and just, you know, not just one loss, but multiple losses in your life within such a short span of time, 
like, how can you like lean in and not out? And I know it's not like a perfect balance of both, but like you said, through sports, your mom is an incredible mom. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, your sisters too, I think it's a combination of things, but yeah, you could have really chosen to like lean in or out with the experiences (laughs) you went through. Yeah. And I, I, you know, there's definitely not perfection in there. Like there's definitely times I leaned, leaned out and, and looked for, you know, other things mm-hmm. to, to numb me or to medicate me or to, mm-hmm. you know, the thinking that, oh, this is going to solve my problems rather than, you know, focusing in on like actually dealing with it and actually dealing with, you know, of, of like the way I grew up or, um, you know, leaning on God and, and, you know, looking to him as a father instead of looking to other, th- other things that, you know, may or may not give me comfort or save me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it was definitely, it was definitely, um, you know, something that I, I think too, that I'm just like, you know, realizing I don't think I really, I don't think I really like properly dealt with all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you gotta, you know, anybody listening, it's like, whether it's, you know, whether it's, you know, grief or, you know, some kind of loss or, um, you know, just anything like it's, it's, it's very important to, to, to kind of look in the mirror or to like say things out loud instead of, um, you know, just kind of thinking about things and holding on to them, which I think is what I did a lot of time. But, but yeah, I mean, just to go on to, kind of after that like so my 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 father passed away in 2007 2008 my aunt committed suicide um and you know that was that was extremely hard it was just like oh man another thing happened and and um you know that was within my mom's side of the family and and um in such a short period of time after I lost my dad and then and then a year after that um my cousin who I was very close to, he was 18 years old, um, in 2009, um, died in a, in a jet ski accident. Um, and then after that, like, I think a year or two later after that, one of my mom's best friends and our very close neighborhood, um, family friend, uh, passed away too. So it was just like so much death within four or five years. And it got to the point where you think, okay, every phone call, there's mm-hmm. something bad coming. Um, and you know it gets gets really hard to you know to you just think that this this is normal and this is what what life is is like and you know i don't think you know many young people should deal with that much grief as a you know as a young person um and then not to mention they you know there's like a kid or two from my my school who died and um so it just seemed like just it was everywhere, you know, death mm-hmm. was everywhere. Um, and you know, there's, there's only so many ways you can, you can really deal with it other than just kind of press on. And I feel like, you know, that's what I did. And, you know, obviously lean on, you know, a lot of people, but, um, there, there's a lot to deal with there, you know, and there's a lot of kids who, you know, are in my position too, losing, you know, parents and, you know, some kids losing both parents, you know, mm-hmm. from an accident or illness or, you know, just by the chance of God, whatever it is. But, um, you know, it's so common around us that we don't, you know, we don't really realize it. You know, we just kind of, 
you know, a lot of times we think, oh, well, you know, normal life, like people seem like they're doing good, but there's, you know, with, with a lot of people, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't see. And, you know, I think this is why I love your podcast because it gives people the chance to, to talk about what really, you know, really goes on in lives and, and gives people an ear to listen to like, oh, wow, this is common. This is more common than I maybe think of, or, you know, this is something that I can relate to, but and I know, again, like, I know we've been having a lot of recent conversations on this, especially just as we're entering into, like, those same ages of hopefully becoming parents one day. And, um, yeah, there's it's always a work in progress. I think it's important to say, like, you're never going to reach a point of, like, or I don't think anyone should have that expectation where it's, like, okay, like, it's gone away. I'm all better. Like, I'm this whole person that has it all together all the time. And we've mm-hmm. been having those conversations a lot. And I think that, yeah, it's okay to have the space to unravel and like lean on and support and process or like grieve things that you haven't grieved before or realize things that you haven't realized before. And I think it's important to give people the space to do that. But also, again, to the community listening to check in with those around you that, um, yeah, might be in a position where they just don't want to burden someone with that information. Because I know when you're really young too, it's like easy to think like, oh, no one gets it. And I don't want to burden people with all the emotions. Cause if I open this door, like it's, I'm going to like, they're going to see like so much more. And then you're at that age, especially so afraid of like judgment. Like what will people think of me if they know that I'm this sad or mad and angry and all these things. So I think it's always going to be a challenge, I think, in society too to make space for that because it is so personal and so emotional. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I think checking on your neighbors and checking in and talking um, is really important as a friend or family member. Yeah, and I think it's also important to have a perspective too, and, and just the reality of life that the walking through the wilderness and in the valleys is is a guarantee of life. There's mm-hmm. no. Nobody goes through life without experiencing grief or suffering or, um, you know, pain to, to some level or another. Um, it's going to happen. You're going to lose people and you're going to go through grief or loss. It's just a matter of when. And um, so having, you know, acknowledge that too, like check in with yourself and say, you know, I'd be grateful for the people that you do have around because I think, you know, that's, you know, some of those experiences have kind of led me to, to just acknowledge, you know, how grateful I am for, for you and for, you know, my family who's still, you know, who's still here, but for my mom and, you know, who's, who's around and, and is healthy. And, um, you know, you, like, I think it's good for people to, to kind of pause and say, you know, be thankful for, you know, who you do have in your life. Um, because, you know, one day, you know, some of those people won't be there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just good to have that awareness too. I think that's, you know, definitely, definitely made me stronger in some ways too. Yeah. Well, thanks again for sharing. And again, I, I know that takes a lot of courage to, to talk about that and, and open that box up. So again, it's much appreciated. And, um, yeah, I think too, before moving on from that, not moving on, but just, you know, going into a couple other subjects. I know we've also talked about like being so impressionable, like when you are looking for, like maybe you don't have a figure in life, whether that's a mom, uh, a sister. I think 
yeah, only only children do this too. Is like they look for fr- sisters and friendships or brothers and mm. friendships because they don't yeah. have that at home. So, what advice would you say or or like perspective do you have on? I think it's important to protect or, or again have that awareness that okay, I am impressionable or I am looking for this thing. How do you still like guard your heart and your values while also like being so impressionable because it's confusing because you're, you're probably like oh like outside looking in this seems like a good person to lean on and go to but at the end of the day like people are people and like well, it's you like, have yeah, to be I mean, careful it, like who you let in your life yeah I think anybody you know whether they're young or they're you know you know my age or older it's like the more you're searching for something or someone, you know, or a feeling, um, a void, you're feeling a void, the more, I think, inviting your, your, your heart or your mind is to, to opinions, to, you know, things that are going to provide you comfort. And, um, you know, those who can deal with the voids that they have in their life um, in a healthy way, I think, and this is something I'm just learning probably even right, like as I speak right now, I'm like preaching to the <laughs> choir here. Um, but the more you can deal with the voids that you have in your heart, I think the the less or the more defensible you become against outside, you know, influence because if you if you can deal with the voids you have you're you're not and you and you know who you are you're saying okay this is a void i have but i know exactly where i'm getting my comfort or my um my filling that cup up with you Mm -hmm. know and um you know i'm not gonna like i know who this is i know who i am i know um you know what i need to do to, to continue to 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 aid this void that i have of loss or grief, the less you become lenient on other people. And I think, I think that speaks to probably the greater, you know, our, like our, our society too, right. Is like, you know, you look at the news and you look at like TikTok or Instagram and like all these people are so impressionable and, you know, things are just trends come and go, but like some trends that are like, I would say, you know, probably considerably immoral still rise up really fast. And I think there's a lot of people who are searching for meaning, searching for, um, you know, to fill a void. And, and so they, they jump onto these things that maybe think that they can, that can fill their, their, their void or fill their cup up. And, um, and so I think, and I, what I've seen with, you know, some of my friends who are very strong and are not, so impressionable by or care about like you know people's opinions or care about you know what the trends are going to they they deal with their their voids or they they know who they are and um you know i think there's a lot of people out there who just don't know who they are um because Mm -hmm. you know of how they grew up or because of how you know they don't have you know a lot of things going on in their life um but you look at the people who you know, your friends who are, in, you know, in this case, my some of my friends who, who I know are very, um, you know, confident in who they are. They're, they don't care about, like, 
some you know what pe- some what some people say they're like okay whatever and you know you admire that people that's a and it's an attractive quality and um and so yeah i mean it's something i'm still learning too it's like you know figuring out what you know what gets me going and what gets me to um you know what gets me motivated and it's it's i think it starts in a place of like okay how am i dealing with with these voids that i have or how am i dealing with these um you know these issues that i'm having now if i'm if i'm dealing with those appropriately i can i can stand up more straight and um you know know who i am and say Mm -hmm. i know i'm dealing with that everybody has hard things that they're going through nobody has like a perfect life um but there are people who walk out the door with their you know their shoulders back and their head high even though they have hardships or things going on because they know who they are and so i I think that's like but also something to go to not just like know who they are because i think a part of it too is just like like we talked about like hope like i think that they're like choosing like an outlook because i don't think like anyone is like fully like i think every single human has some sort of insecurity that they felt like now or when they go through hard times that insecurity comes back up so i think like when you say hold i think you're you're saying like they're able to be like I choose better. Like I know I don't care because I, I know like what, what what's worth living and choosing in this life. Like more so than right. I it's like it weigh, it's, who I am. It, yeah. It's like being able to weigh like okay, how important is that person's comment to to mm-hmm. my life? Or like, mm-hmm. am I going to let that comment? Or you know, this like comparison of myself versus some others like really gets me. No, because you know, you know who you are. And that's like, that's, that's a work in progress for everybody. I think everybody deals with insecurity or comparison and to some level. Um, but I think it's, it's a worthy and noble, um, thing to think about in your life. And, um, it's, it's something to, to constantly check in with yourself about. And I think like, uh, caring who's, who's saying it to you like who in, is giving you that opinion because i know like when you say something to about me like to me that i'm insecure mm-hmm. about like we talk about tone a lot it's um i love my mom to death but she has a really sharp tone and mm-hmm. i don't want to have that tone but sometimes i do because that's just how i grew up being talked to and so mm-hmm. um when you make a point about tone it like cripples me because i care and i know who mm-hmm. it's coming from but if a stranger were to say that to me i think i would be more able to not like shrug them off but be like y- you don't know me or like my heart so i'm just gonna like stand guard of what opinions i let like sit with yeah. me in my well, head I think that's yeah it's so important to have that's why it's so important to have like good community around you too because mm-hmm if you have good community of people around you who, who know you and who, you know, choose to, to love you as a friend or as a spouse or as, you know, whatever you are to them, if, if they're going to speak like good things and positive things in your life or correct you, um, you know, cause I think there's not enough people who have friends who, who can be a voice of, of correction or, or say, mm-hmm. Hey, I don't think you should be doing that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those are the 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 opinions to to really count on, to lean on. But yeah, you know, people online and like reading comments or like, you know, of things that are not 
you know, because you can get like a thousand good comments and then you get one bad one. And you're like, oh, my gosh, and let it wreck you. But it's, you look at the, you know, like they don't know you. They don't know who you are. You know, somebody out in like a, you know, driving your car and somebody like flips you off and you, you can be like, okay, whatever. That person's having a hard day or, you know, whatever. Or you can like it or sometimes it wrecks you. You're like. Like when we so were in when we were in Italy and I started crying when that the the guy on the motorcycle like was banging his head against or his hand against his helmet at me oh, and I started crying. Well, the yeah, just yeah. Emily, Emily was we were in Italy and Emily was, was really trying to drive, uh, trying to figure out how to drive there. <laughs> okay, it was a. It's just different in Italy. The drivers yeah. there. You gotta be. You gotta. They know what they want. They're they're confident about their decisions. <laughs> uh, me too. But this guy like gave me no room to merge onto this like whatever they call it there like, uh huh, like ten meter runway of merging <laughs> onto a very fast road. Anyways, <laughs> that was traumatizing. Um, yeah. What were you we saying? We were talking about. Anyways, oh yeah, like just like who you get your advice from and. Um, yeah. not letting things wreck you and um yeah so yeah i think that makes sense yeah yeah well, i mean it's 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 definitely you know everybody's work in progress and i think i'm realizing that more of, of myself um mm-hmm. you know but it's important you know it's important to deal with things you know there's a lot of people who don't deal with things and things come out later in life and um yeah yeah well, thanks again for sharing that um, part of your story. And um, yeah, I think going into um, you, like your sisters and your mom growing up who raised you, uh, I think you get a lot of outside looking in and now, you know, being a part of the family, your strength and charisma and grit from them. So I do want to like talk about just like, you know, characteristics you got from being raised by them. And I say them because I know your mom raised you, but then your sisters, Mm -hmm. from what I understand, really took control of, especially Elizabeth raising you and helping get you through school. Well, I think anybody who grew up with a single parent and that parent was, you know, working very hard to provide for us, which, you know, thankful for my mom who worked so hard to provide for us. The older siblings are going to step in and say, well, Mom's not home, and you have to do this, and I'm the boss of you. <laughs> Especially if you have a sister who's six and a half years older than you, who thinks that it. she is the mom. So it's uh, it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot of patience, I think, with dealing with uh, with women. <laughs> but it was all good. You know, I love them very much. So I'm very blessed with uh, with 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 my family situation despite you know losing my father it was i couldn't couldn't really have asked for much better of a family dynamic outside of that if i didn't know better i would say like if i had met you guys well i remember changing like six times before i met your family because i was so nervous i changed like nine (laughs) times and was like does this look okay and i think the outfit i chose i was like still not happy with um and yeah i just uh I would have thought you guys were from New York or something because like the personalities, you guys are so all of you big personality. Loud. 
loud like oh this is so funny remember when we would like go out to dinner and like i would say something at the table and no one would hear me and you would be like you have to talk louder (laughs) you gotta talk loud yeah i'm yeah you gotta you gotta be loud in my family i mean i would go to a restaurant and meet meet my family especially like when my grandpa was around and and my uncle and we'd go to like these like family dinners and um you know they're in the back of the restaurant like way way in the back and you know i show up to the hostess and i'm like hey i'm here meeting my family like the stone family and they're like oh do you want me to show the table i'm like no i can hear them from here and then i could just hear this laughter erupting from the back of the restaurant and um yeah if you don't if you don't speak up in my family you're uh you're not getting your point in so <laughs> i really relate to my brother-in-law like sometimes we'll be and we're not italian either we're not I Italian. Know. So it's like Italian New Yorkers, like you guys are just like loud and opinionated and I love it so much. But sometimes I'll be sitting at the end of the table with my brother in law and we'll just like make eye contact and I'm like like what should we chime in on? Or like what should we say out of? And I feel like sometimes yeah. we just have an unspoken understanding of being the the marrying into the family. <laughs> Yeah, and if you're not, if you're talking and you're not making an interesting like statement and you're not being loud with it, then it, people are just gonna start talking because they're like, okay, you're which boring. is, uh, <laughs> yeah, which is honestly like a good, uh, good lesson to learn in life because you know you don't, you know, people, uh, people get bored easily, and you gotta, you gotta learn to say interesting things or make your voice heard. So, uh, well. I love it. So very, it, yeah, very <laughs> grateful to be a part of it. And it really does feel like Italian or New York and strong opinions, very similar people. Like I think deep down and a lot of love for each other. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of emotions, but a lot of love. <laughs> right. So I think how most families are. Um, yeah. It can be love, hate. <laughs> um, yeah. And for a lot of forgiveness. So that's one thing too yeah. is, yeah, just a lot of I'm sorry and try not to have a but at the end of your I'm sorry. Um, right. Yeah. Or, yeah, way my family grew up is uh, no sorry. It's just walk into the room 20 minutes later and be like, all right. So we done with that? All right. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, okay. So I guess then when you met me, why, why did you think that I would fit in well with that? Like when we went on like our first or second date, like what I remember like you, people around you would say like, you were so particular about who you dated. And obviously I didn't feel that way because we were talking and dating and, and it was just like natural and easy. But, um, growing up with, like you said, such an awareness of like just females in general, what were you on the look? What were you like on the on the hunt for? <laughs> well, not on the hunt. I wasn't on the hunt for somebody who's gonna fit in well with my family. I mean, yeah, that's that's an element of it, but I wasn't like, oh, because I knew like after meeting, you, I knew you'd fit in just because you're you're stylish and you're sweet and charming, and I was like, oh, my family, my sisters, and my mom will will love that about you. Um, but what was I on the hunt for? It's hard to say. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with just like you know how the person makes you feel, mm-hmm. and you know what, um, you know how your conversations go. And I I remember you know us sh- on our first date shutting two bars down, 
and getting kicked out of one and then moving to the next and then getting kicked out of that one and we eventually had to end our date but um yeah i mean if you can't have you know friendship or or you know carry conversations it's like you know there's not really much there so um Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know yeah well yeah i think those are yeah good good conversations good humor i know that's what i was looking for too and just like laughter and yeah so values too so i think those were definitely things that align but Mm -hmm. we will do a part two where we'll eventually dive into i i think you know just like all the things proposal and like where we're at today and conversations and things so we'll carry on a part two um but i do have to ask you one question that i before i let you go that you know i ask every guest and it might catch you by surprise because um, I know I booked you for this a little bit last minute, <laughs> but I'm sure you can think of one thing. So, you know, the question, which is what is one thing that's kind or courageous that you or someone, you know, um, or don't know has done for you? Oh man. Yeah. I actually was not prepared for this question. I probably should have thought about that. Like going into this, this call. Um, let's see. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot. There's, there's so many people who've who've done so many amazing things for me, uh, in my life. Um, I mean, I can recall a few stories too, where you talked about like your high school coach for football or, you know, even like your current manager, um, in your life. Yeah, or your sister think, just getting you through school, man. That's that's yeah, pretty nice. I, mean, I think that's kind of what I was leaning leaning <laughs> on is uh, <laughs> my my inability to perform at school um, was 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 definitely something. And my sweet sister Elizabeth um, would stay up with me and have the courage and grace to help me with uh, my projects. You know, I would, I would, I would say, <laughs> my mom's like, what do you have to do tomorrow for school? And I said, oh, shoot, I have this four page essay due oh tomorrow. She's like, the- four page. And then Elizabeth is like, have you started it? And I was like, I mean, I started a little research and she's like, you haven't written a single word down on, on, on word yet, have you? And I was like, no. And then <laughs> my sister like took, she was more stressed out than I was. Of course. That I didn't do it. I was like, well, I got to do it. And my sister freaked out. And a lot of times she would help me write it. and Or help me at least get get um, a really good start going. And stay up with me some late nights doing that. And so, um, yeah, I think anybody who's willing to sacrifice a lot for you is <laughs> very common and courageous. Maybe, maybe not so common, but... Uh, I don't know any sisters that are at least, like... I definitely didn't stay up writing my siblings' papers yeah, for them. Well, she, so. didn't, she didn't do it with a joyous heart. She did it with a, a lot of pain and agony, but um, but she did it nonetheless. So she, sh- she showed up. <laughs> Bless her heart, because, you yeah. know, you could have easily been held back. And I, we would have just maybe never met. Yeah. I also, I also think too, there's, you know, there's every, everybody screws up. Everybody does, does 
does crap that is, you know, some it's not so bad, some is really bad, but um, I can, you know, look back through my life and see a lot of people um, showing me grace in, in various times, you know, whether it's, you know, school, you know, a teacher or, you know, a professor, um, you know, showing me grace for the homework I didn't do or the test I didn't do well on and giving me another opportunity, you know, or, you know, friends or family that have hurt, um, you know, it's, you're going to mess up. And I think the people who show you grace is, um, it's, it's, it's very, sometimes very hard, but, um, Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, it doesn't go unnoticed. And I think if you have the opportunity to show people grace and different areas, um, it's, you know, it's important and it changes your heart too. Like, um, I think forgiveness, um, through, you know, whether you got road rage, which is something I need to work on. Oh my forgiving, God. Forgiving yeah. bad drivers for, for cutting me off. <laughs> you have really uh, bad road rage. Like you need yeah, to really something, so, something to work on. Yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, so anyways, I'll, um, maybe I'll, next time we'll, I'll have a better one. No, that's a good one. I think that's a great one. And that was very kind of your sister and just, mm-hmm. you know, just really getting you through it. So, uh, well, thanks for coming on and, um, thank you guys so much for listening. And I know, Again, this podcast does touch on so many different subjects within especially the bucket relationships and under relationships. That's kind of where we've been at the last few episodes. Um, I know we started a lot with adoption and hopefully you guys can understand that this podcast really is about, yeah, just it could be so broad your relationship with, again, like lack of fatherlessness or friendships, um, a sport, anything. So Um, I do hope that it's making sense with the buckets of like adoption, family and relationships, um, and really just tackling those, those things of life and talking about again, the common and courageous stories within that. So thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and Brian, thanks again, just for your courage and talking about, um, some of those subjects and, uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye guys. Bye guys.